Welcome to episode number four, already number four of Three Point Range. I'm Mike Berardino, joined by Kimball Crossley. Say hello, Kimball. Hello. And Tim Crothers. Hello, Tim. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing well. That's why mm-hmm. this is that's setting the voice so everyone can know which one we are, because this is all audio, audio, old school audio podcast, as much as a podcast can be old school. We uh, are very pleased to have you back listening to us, um, and we hope that you'll spread the word. If you like what you hear, you can uh, check out more at Substack, where there's a three-point range Substack, uh, being all the heavy lifting done by Kimball so far, but I believe Tim will be jumping in soon and i this is my weekly threat to do so uh or promise or whatever but i'll, I'll get in there but it's going to be good there's always going to be something new on the three-point range Substack. we have a facebook page too that you can like and many of you have and we appreciate that and um we challenge those of you who have liked the facebook page three-point range go ahead and listen to a podcast or at least click on it and give us some quick feedback such as mike should talk more and kimball should talk less whatever whatever you think you'd like so I, I've gotten all my talking out of the way. Um, and uh, so the, the basic premise is every week or a couple times a week, we come to you with three points, hence the name, that uh, we feel should be you know discussed that maybe are, have been on our minds lately from the sports world is the entry point to this. We certainly can diverge from there. And uh, let's all go my right. talking out of the way. Jesus. All, the, all my talking's <laughs> out of the way, but I'm setting the stage. And let's go right to uh, Tim because uh, Professor Crothers has an update for us, I believe. We discussed something the loyal listeners would uh, certainly appreciate an update on, the Guinness Book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just in case there, we have some new listeners this week, I'll review real quickly uh, what, ha- what occurred. Um, inspired by a, a UNC, or University of North Carolina track coach who set the world record not long ago for dribbling a mile with a basketball at four minutes and 33 seconds. Um, I witnessed that event and inspired by that, um, I, I sort of challenged myself to take on the cha- to take on that challenge of seeing if I could, I could break the world record. Um, my co-hosts were dubious to say the least, uh, about my, my chances of, of, of getting this record. But on Sunday morning, uh, I, I went to our local middle school with my crew, my son and my daughter, uh, to work the video and the, and the timing. And all of this, by the way, uh, has been captured for, for posterity and will be available on that substack that we were just discussing. Um, not long after we post the podcast, I'll post the substack with, with the video, uh, evidence of everything that occurred that day. Uh, but uh, since you guys were so dubious of, of my my chances of doing this, uh, based on the fact that the world record is 4.30, uh, what would you guess that I, I did it in? I can tell you, I'm sitting here, I obviously survived, so, so um, it, it, it was done, it was accomplished, and what, what would you guys guesstimate that uh, my time was? Well, first of all, uh, I'm going to say that you dribble the ball away at one, at least one time, and I don't know the rules, like if you're allowed to collect it and get back on course, or once you've lost your dribble, it should be ball game, game over. There- there was never so, so much as a palming or a double dribble. It was it was immaculate dribbling. All right, and, and there is video say, evidence to, to prove it. All right, I, I, but I'm still going to say you didn't get under five minutes. It was 5.08. The, uh, wow, that, that's really giving him a lot of credit. The world record's 
thirty on the nose, right? Four thirty. Right, yes. Uh-huh. I, I don't. I I got you at about, uh, you know, six eighteen. When was the last time either one of you, if ever, ran a mile? I I'm not going to answer that. Years. I don't, I don't think either one of you could break a twelve minute mile. Oh, absolutely not. I I would. I'd be lucky to. Can I walk part of it? So, or if, so the so the idea that that me at age fifty seven you think yeah. you really think I could do a five or six minute mile with or without a basketball? I don't I don't Are know. You insane? No, no, but no, but I I just wanted to prove <laughs> that even even if you had done remarkably well, you still were not going to become. Just wanted to figure out a way that you could de- denigrate my record. Well, eleven eleven minutes could denigrate my my accomplishment. Yeah, again, just like I just want to point out that even if you did amazingly well, you weren't coming close to the world record. All right, I will admit that uh, I passed the uh, at the two two lap mark. I was exactly at the world record. That's not <laughs> that's not to say that I was at, on world record pace. That is to say that I was at the world record. So I, I ran the first two. I ran dribbled the first two the first two laps in four minutes and thirty three seconds, just coincidentally. And then your kick was amazing. You really had <laughs> from from there. Yes, things got you know. Th- there were times when I when I wondered whether whether I was going to finish, but uh, the final time was nine thirteen twenty point two three, which was way less than I thought it was going to be realistically, and uh, and also um, that was that was almost exactly double the actual world record, which uh, in my mind is makes perfect sense because. I am almost exactly double the age of the of the gentleman who I watched set the world record. So uh, I, to me, that was a that was an accomplishment that uh, was enough to impress my children, which I guess is all that really matters because clearly I'm not going to impress you guys. Well, I, I give you great credit for first of all for uh, saying that you would attempt it and then following through on the attempt and then for claiming to have finished it. I'll wait till I see the video evidence. Uh, will, will, it, mm-hmm. will this video just be highlights, or are we going to have to no. be asking people to watch nine and a half, nine thirteen of you running with a basketball? You, you can you can scroll through obviously and skip to the end. I hope but, so. But I've learned from from watching the actual record being set that unless you provide the entire video, mm-hmm. which that therefore allows you to verify the time in which it was done, then then it's really meaningless because anybody could cut a video that. Has them starting and finishing, and tell you tell you they finished in any time. So yeah, you got it. You got to provide the whole video. There, it's a nine minute and fifty two second video. Uh, so there's not a lot of extra. There's not a lot of frills. But uh, yes, nine thirteen of it is me is me. Uh, where circling where, the track? What was the location? I told uh, you, Colbreth Middle School here in Chapel Hill. Where I wasn't both listening. Of my, both of my students. I mean, both of my students. <laughs> who also happen to be my children, uh, they uh, they uh, both matriculated at this particular place. So well, first it was all, a home. Just, it was a home track. Let me say, not anybody could edit that. In fact, I know Tim. You were one of those people that could never edit that um, video. Absolutely. And, Even and, if I wanted to, to to trick this up, there's no right. way I could technologically have done it. But right. And two. But yes. Uh, uh, in, to, in my mind, you've won because you are world record holder in your own route. Because it, as a, a, a fellow father, I know there's nothing harder than impressing your kids. My kids, I don't, I, I don't know what I'd have to do to impress those 
those people. Like you, I can't do jack squat to impress those kids. So I, I'm just glad that you impressed your kids. That's amazing. That's what I'm saying. That was the that was the highlight of the of the event. My son actually kind of looked at me and said, "Wow, that was a little faster than I thought you were going to do it." I think he might have just been relieved that I was still alive, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, but I think um, both of them, you know, had had looks on their faces that uh, I'm unaccustomed to, like actual pride in their in their parent. <laughs> I, I wonder what, uh, what is the record now? Now that you've proven you, you know, 913 is the number for one mile, there must be a record for two miles dribbling a basketball oh, or, no. or beyond. Why oh. don't you extend it, you know, uh, and, and set your own record for, you know, the, the mega, maybe a marathon. Uh, uh, well, dribbling I, basketball. I, I maintain, and I will, I will do so in the Substack, uh, shameless plug that, uh, I actually did set a record. After doing a little bit of research, and I mean a little bit of research, uh, I've come to the conclusion that I am currently the world record holder for dribbling a basketball for a mile, 57 and over division. <laughs> wow. I don't That's... think, I, I, I see nothing on the internet that disproves that. So there you go. I am a world record holder. All right. Impressive. Mm -hmm. um, and now I will watch the video just to see the faces of your kids with the pride on their face. I'm not sure you'll see their face. I, I'm pretty much the only person in the video, but I'm out. Uh, we we didn't get the we didn't get the reaction shots of them, unfortunately. I don't think, but uh, but I encourage you to watch it anyway, and be awed at my athleticism. This is a high level content that uh, is coming to you uh, by three point range Substack. The professor, the author, the world record holder, Tim Crothers. Do you have any points to make this week? Yeah, I'll make a quick point just because, uh, you know, I feel like I should bring something to the table other than my own uh, world record uh, moment. I was, I mean, it comes from the game last night. I don't know whether you all watched it, but uh, it was Good a phenomenal game. game, probably the best NFL game of the season. And uh, and it brought, there was a moment of analytics. And I, I know, Kimball, your whole raison d'etre for this being on this earth is analytics. And I, I'm... I've certainly come around to the value of anal analytics over time, and uh, but but the problem I have with analytics is how inaccessible they often are. Um, I could I, I don't really know what goes into war in baseball and all that kind of crap. I mean I know that it's valuable, but I don't I couldn't tell you the the what goes into it. But this was such an accessible moment last night, and maybe you all noticed this when they were talking about it after the Browns fell down 14 points. And uh, they scored a touchdown, and you just accept, expected them to trot their their PAT kicker out on the field and and bring it to within seven. But the analytics apparently told them that they should go for two at that point, which I thought was uh, was interesting. I watch a lot of football games, and I have not seen this before, but I I, I don't doubt that it may have happened before. But they the, the the thinking behind it was that if you go for two in that at that point. Um, you've got a, 50, a better than 50% chance of making it uh, one time out of the two times that you're going to, you're going to, to try it. So, so you've got a 50% chance of making it that time, or if you don't do it, you still have a 50% chance of making it. You're likely to do it at least once. But if you happen to make it the first time, then all you've got to do is kick a PAT on the next touchdown to take the lead, which is precisely what happened. Uh, the, the Browns were able to, to score score the, the two-point conversion after the first touchdown, get within six, and then they scored a touchdown again not long after that. And with the PAT, uh, 
they were able to go up up a point, which is strategy that I have not seen before, but um, but really makes a lot of sense. And uh, I you know I wonder if that's going to be something that uh, that other other teams saw and are is going to pick up is going to pick up on as a potential new strategy whenever you're down 14 and you have a chance to uh, to uh, play the analytics game. What do you guys think? So um, the just the, the time in a mile dribbling the basketball that was nine thirteen. Is that right? Yes. That was it. Okay. Mm-hmm. What were you just talking about? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was a, well, that was just a lengthy dissertation. You know, they've had the two-point card even in college football. Um, you know, the, the the cheat sheet for them for quite a while. This is I wouldn't really call that analytics. I would say that's uh, perhaps the thing, the the idea that a two-point conversion uh, potential has changed over time. But this idea of chasing points has always been a bad idea. And I, I think that if I wasn't watching every bit of it, I had the sound down for part of it, although I do like that trio. I think they're, they're very, very good together. Um, Levy, Riddick, and Greasy um, do a nice job. Um, but uh, Cody Parkey, I believe that that game was decided by one of the rare times because the kickers are so disparate in their success rate and their abilities. But Cody Parkey, uh, couldn't even make an extra point. He botched one earlier, and he's been in a little slump. And uh, I think that certainly played into it, whereas uh, the uh, Ravens kicker, an all-time god, and he proved it again uh, with his ability to uh, drill the, the winner. But, Kimball, what, uh, since we're calling Kimball Mr. Analytics, although I'm right there, I appreciate analytics greatly, did you view that as a uh, – was, did you hear that first of all? And, and, and please, yeah, give, yeah. please give me some analysis because I I really think that I'm not sure Mike really I think he really did tune out on me for like three minutes. So so give <laughs> no, me I, something. No, I uh, I watched the game and I've been seeing that coming in football for a while. Um, you know, it goes right along with the uh, go for it every time on fourth down. And while coaches aren't ready to embrace that, you see them going for it more and more often on fourth down from you know further and further away from the end zone. So I think analytics are coming to football. Um, and I think that's just a good example. And yeah, I thought I can see the wisdom in that. And, um, and, and, you know, there's been coaches, I think, uh, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin, I think has, has been a big embracer of going for two in a lot of situations and some people, you know, so it's, it's coming more and more, just like in baseball, you know, it, it, it was a long, slow process for people to grasp, grasp things, but now, you know, it used to be like no one went against the sacrifice bunt, and now it's hard to find a guy that believes in the sacrifice bunt. I mean, the fact I'm going to have they, to share. I'm going to have to share my topics with you guys in a little more detail in the future, so you can uh, you can do some more research. Well, I'll just say too. I mean, you, you, it's hard to really uh, attribute uh, complete uh, analytics to this when they've changed the they, they made the extra point kick ten yards longer at some point in recent years, um, and again the two point conversion potential has changed. Uh, it depends if you have a quarterback who can run it in himself as, as uh, Baker Mayfield obviously can. Um, they're all, there's all those data points, but um, I think, it, and, and also and the Indians, let's not forget, are the team of Paul D. Podesta and uh, the, you know, the right there from Moneyball, Jonah Hill's character looks nothing like Jonah Hill, but he made the jump over into the NFL and to whatever extent the NFL has a, a, a patron saint of analytics for the for that league, it's going to be Depot, and it's going to be the Browns being that team. And so Kevin Stefanski coming from the 
Vikings, where he was probably limited to some extent with what he wanted to do analytically by Mike Zimmer, old school. Now he comes in there, and the, and the Browns are fun. They're fun to watch. They're gonna. I'm sure they're doing plenty of other things that they have uh, they have found that's against the grain that may have come from their analytics department. And Tim, you can find this information online. I mean, you, a lot of baseball guys that are analytics guys in baseball. If you ever go on Twitter, which you probably don't do a lot of. You know they're they're constantly making these points and and you know it's like poker they can give you like the the chances of winning at any time during the game and tell you what what to do so it's it's happening in football and it's been happening for a while you just gotta I guess I've deeper. just I've never seen I've never seen that strategy played out uh, the way that it was played out last night I mean as I said maybe it's happened before but uh, but I just thought it made a lot of sense and I'd be surprised if that isn't you know, if that isn't employed more, as you suggest, moving forward, because it's it makes a it makes a ton of sense to me. Well, now your kids are proud of you, and I'm proud of you. <laughs> All right, I've just got to <laughs> I just got to get Mike. That's going to be a little tougher. Mm-hmm. Why don't you make a, a obscure reference to some name guy or whatever, and maybe that will yeah, impress him. If I ma- yeah, if I make yeah, if I make a reference to somebody from the 1940s, I'm, I'll get him on board. Yeah. So who's next? You, Kimball? You you want to go? Yeah, I'm up. I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, it's funny because Tim talking about nearly collapsing during his his mile run. Uh, you know, that's part of what I want to talk about is, uh, are you guys aware of the Florida basketball player who collapsed this weekend? Yes, very scary. Yeah, that's that's sort of a, a, a scary little segue from, from me to him, but okay. Right. Well, well, you know, it's funny because, yeah, there was a player that collapsed, and at the time, you know, I mean, not many people are talking about it. It hasn't been, you know, uh, that big a deal since, even though at the time when it happens, it's huge. And it's just the same way with every time something like this happens in sports. And I always think of, you know, when a player in the NFL uh, is injured and goes off on a stretcher and we always have the announcers, they just get so sanctimonious and they say, oh, no, this is horrible. This is terrible what's happened. Yeah, Let's let's all put our thoughts with this player who's being wheeled off. And you know what? The game means nothing right now. It's it's really irrelevant. All that matters is is the health of this poor young man. But let's get back to the game right now. <laughs> you know, 20 seconds after I said that, let's get back and, and do it again. You know, because so I always think what they should say is like, you know what? This happens. This was happens when gladiators are out there fighting and battling and you know, it's just the price we pay, so all of you can have pleasure and watch these games. So if this happens occasionally, so be it. But we got to move on and enjoy this. And I just think it's so hypocritical. And, and again, I am not trying to be insensitive to them as much as that as it sounds that way, because I'm saying like, no, let's be realistic. What are we really saying? Um, and let's not like overplay it. And yes, it's horrible, but especially now in these times when we're watching these games with COVID and things like that, where people are are more in danger and they're putting other people in danger. Look, we should be honest with ourselves and say, like, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it to us on the outside. And in a funny way, these athletes, I guess it must be worth it to them. I I, I see your point. I I mean, I feel like thoughts and prayers has become has become the ultimate cliche when something like this happens. It's always our thoughts and prayers are with Danny as they take him off in pieces off the field. But I, I think it's a little bit different in a basketball game versus a football game. I mean, I, I, to me, we, you know, I don't think any of us are under any 
any illusions about what's going on on the football field. I mean, these guys are tearing each other apart for our amusement uh, and obviously for their benefit, financial benefit as well. Uh, I feel like a little, it's a little different in this case where this guy was, you know, this guy was just basically running down the basketball court and he collapsed tank gather style. And that, that does, you know, that does obviously happen. There's that hit. There is a history of it, but uh, I, I guess I don't see it quite the same way I do when I watch a football game. And I, I kind of get a queasy feeling in my stomach every time I see somebody carted off. And I think that, uh, you know, is this a sport that, that, uh, that, you know, it, we should really be indulging in, in, uh, in at, at this time where I'll, I'll never feel that way about basketball. What do you think, Mike? Well, I, I wonder, Kimball mentioning uh, appropriately that, that that happened, you know, during a pandemic, we're in a period of piped in noise. And I wonder, you know, generally when that sort of thing, when anyone uh, goes down for even just an injury, run of the mill injury, and they have to be helped off, there's applause from the crowd. And I think at the Florida State venue, there's a small number of fans, but did they pipe in noise as well, appropriate level of noise? You know that 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 uh, you know, round of applause that would be happening, respectful applause, as as Keontae Johnson was carted off, or or was there any? Did they did they have the uh, sense to uh, hold back on that? And he's, I don't know. I didn't see it live, and I just followed some of the reports. But uh, Hank Gathers is the appropriate uh, all time thought for me um, that name, and of course that's thirty years ago, and that did not just go away because Bo Kimball of Loyola Marymount ended up shooting his free throws left-handed in his uh, honor. And, um, and Hank Gathers is still revered in his native Philadelphia and uh, Paul Westhead, the coach of that team and a good guy, a good interview. He has a new book out that I'd like to see and read. Um, so I'm sure that's a, a key part of it. So that's, that's kind of the ultimate example of, of the shock value, especially in basketball. Tim makes a good, a point the difference between somebody going down in a heap in football and having to be carted off even if it's a even if it's a potential paralysis i mean we is we do tend to see that every couple of years at, at some level of the sport uh versus basketball it is it is different um the other thing is uh you know uh the 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 need to fill that airtime and the awkward things that may be said um you know that that's got to be uh i i kimball's kind of suggesting that by nature, those those uh, those the accompanying commentary is going to be cliched. I don't know what you do say, other than maybe you go to commercial and then you come back and you know and you say oh, he's okay, he's he's off the court. Let's get back to live action. But um, uh, the good news is, I think Keontae Johnson uh, is the player's name, and I, I believe the last I saw, he was responsive to simple commands, and he was he was coming, he was slowly making progress. So um, with a scare that he had. Uh, um it's it's not going to be uh it shouldn't be uh, life altering we hope at this point but then there i there i go I, i'm saying the kind of things that we're supposed to say kimball's always gonna have a little twist on it um but and- you know let, let me just finish say this thought you know i was trying to dovetail with COVID and and whether these games should be played you know he had tested positive like a lot as a lot of his teammates did earlier uh this year for COVID, and now they don't even know if it's related or not mm-hmm. but as we watch basketball go on and i agree with you tim like we don't expect to see that in basketball as we do football we we don't sort of ha- make the same bargain with them but should we now if 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 you know this is you know something that might happen and hopefully it's not but it it does you know give us more pause to what we've talked about before whether you know, college athletics should be trying to push on. I'll add, I'll add one more thing to this, and that is that I have thought now for, for months 
that it is amazing to me that there has not been a single serious case of a, of a college athlete contracting COVID and, you know, being put on a ventilator or being put, put in a position where their, their life was threatened in some way. I mean, I think the odds against that happening are, are huge. And I think it would change the landscape of everybody's thinking. Um, it would, taking back to last, the last podcast, we'd all be more, uh, more on Coach K's bandwagon if that, if that were to ever occur. And it would change the entire sports landscape, at least, at least for the, the, the upcoming months until the vaccine uh, starts to take hold. That, uh, you know, I, I, I think overnight, if something like that occurred, God forbid some, somebody, a, a college athlete actually died or, or even a professional athlete died, uh, we would have, you know, we'd be talking about shutting down sports completely until, until uh, we had the herd immunity. I think there was a Division three player and I don't know that it happened during a game but it might have been a football player uh maybe like California University of Pennsylvania something like that it was in Pennsylvania I believe a lineman and it was COVID related it may have come out of practice it feels like I didn't google it yet but it feels like it came out of uh, in August or something but you're right if it, you know if it's a you know some a major star a high, you know, Trevor Lawrence hadn't just missed a couple of games, but it actually ended up fighting for his life at Clemson um, due to COVID that he did contract. Um, uh, the, perhaps uh, there'd be a, a push uh, nationally to pause, but uh, even so, it seems like the, the whole attitude is, and I find myself lapsing into it as I watch these games. I'm like, you know, I'm just, it's nice to have the diversion, and it has been repeatedly. I mean, I, I think I've watched the NFL more closely than than I have in years because it's, it's uh, it's it's been a good escape, and it's it has been a captivating year in a lot of ways, and it's nice that they don't uh, play a whole lot of defense in some cases. But um, all right, no so, doubt. One more thing about yeah. that. I mean, I absolutely was thinking that last night um, when, I mean, Lamar Jackson pops out of the frigging tunnel. <laughs> no, he had COVID with, too. With no, you know, after being in in the locker room for twenty minutes. Trace McSorley's out. There's no other option. He pops out of the locker room on the very first play. He throws, he throws a touchdown pass on fourth down mm -hmm. to put the Ravens ahead. And I think to myself, you know, this is why we love sports. And that's yeah. why with, without, you know, without sports, you know, there's no question that our lives over the last few months would have been a lot harder to live. I mean, especially those of us who are sports geeks like the three of us. And, uh, you know, I think we should all appreciate appreciate that because uh you know there's no doubt that my monday night is not as not as much fun last night if i'm not sitting down watching that game and seeing you know uh lamar jackson pull for you for you mike the willis we read reference a, a reference from the <laughs> 70s that i'm sure you can appreciate now maybe you like me well steve Levy, uh, no but steve levy uh had to he mentioned willis reed which is the ult that is the appropriate reference and always will be because it hasn't been topped. I mean, there have been people maybe that came out of the locker room and, and ran right onto the to the field or the court. Now, Willis Reed, you know, it only played a few minutes of that uh, championship game for the Knicks way back when, but he, by limping out there, he energized the whole team. This was a guy who, who you weren't expecting to come back into the game at all by that point, and he's like, all right, I'll do it. And then, like you say, because he's such an incredible MVP caliber player, um, he throws a touchdown pass on fourth and five. So that Willis Reed was was just fine. Levy updated it to Superman and the 
and without the cape, etc. And LeBron jumped on that and stole it on Twitter. The new thing now is apparently we can't watch any, and I like LeBron, but we can't watch any sports event without, um, if LeBron tweets about it, live tweets it off a sporting event that immediately is posted on national television. And um, and that's how we consume the event. So we, we, we just, we're just waiting for LeBron to weigh in apparently on, on everything. There's some guy, some guy's job is, is, is following all the, all the, all the Twitters of, of every, every major athlete or, or celebrity. And he went bing when he hits one, it's like, okay, let's get that on the air. Yeah, I could do without that. Trend. I really yeah. could do without that. That, that might be a full point uh, at a future date now. And uh, we appreciate uh, you making it this far in the podcast. This is three point range. I'm Mike Berardino, the voice you just heard, Tim Crothers, professor of uh, sports journalism down at University of North Carolina. And, uh, Kimball Crossley, San Diego Padres scout, all-around uh, uh, renaissance man, actor, singer. I don't know about singer, uh, but he can Not do it a all. singer. Five-tool, five-tool uh, entertainer uh, and, and sub-stack writer. So my point would be um, I'd like to start out that uh, the Cleveland Indians are not going to be the Cleveland Indians anymore. Uh, which is well overdue in a in an era, and not even the era. It just it's just amazing that it took this long. People have been protesting the team name on opening day uh, every year since 1973. So a half century, nearly, of public, uh, at least among Native Americans, uh, expressing that, and people who are sympathetic to that. That a team called something that the people don't want to be called anymore. Uh, a name that goes back more than a century. To when they change from Cleveland naps. But my point is this, uh, I don't understand, and I don't know how they're getting away with it, that Paul Dolan, the team uh, control man, Larry Dolan's son, um, is saying that they're not going, they're going to go ahead and play one more season. Like, oh, you know, the, the kind of quotes are the types of sensitive quotes you expect in this case when you announce this and says our role is to unite the community and he talks about the name being divisive and they had it, it asked plenty of people's input locally and through native american groups etc cetera, etc cetera, taking all the right steps and and correct me if i'm wrong but opening day is not till april or at the very least late march and yet the indians are saying clearly for marketing reasons or they've got a bunch of boxes of of stuff in the back room they still have to, even though they put chief wahoo on ice in 2019 they still were selling chief wahoo uh branded material and now they're going to donate that money but another year of sales of that probably it just strikes me as is as, as hypocritical and odd that mlb would allow that charade to play out now kimball probably shouldn't wade in on this one we don't want any issues but tim and i <laughs> certainly should talk that i i just can't i just think this is the perfect way to take a, a necessary step an overdue step and botch it by saying uh we're gonna play one more year as the indians and apologies to anyone who may be offended why why can't kimball weigh in on this one are the padres considered uh politically incorrect uh, they should be, and uh, it's a, and particularly that that mascot of theirs. But uh, no, I, and I just think, and plus the Padres and Indians are good for one trade a year, and they're probably working on a deal right now, and it'll mm -hmm. probably it'll you know they'll overpay greatly and whatever. But and but but that's another issue. Okay, uh, well Tim, I'll take if if you and I are stuck stuck without Kimball on this one. I, I think I, so. I'll take it. I'll take it one step farther. Yeah, I mean, sure the the. 
the the Indians are only going to stop being the Indians when it becomes financially convenient for 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 the Cleveland franchise. Yes, that's a joke. But let's go one step further. Yo, Braves, Braves, you do a frigging tomahawk chop in the in the stands. You are even worse than the Indians. Where are you in the, all of this? Step it up, Atlanta Braves. Give me a time frame for when we're getting rid of the Braves and the tomahawk chop. That is by far worse than what's going on in Cleveland. At least, at least they're not doing much, except for my old friend, uh, Mr. Adams, out in the John Adams field. He's yeah. great. Yeah, banging the banging the drum. I mean, that might be that probably needs to go as well. Even though I once did a story on him at Sports Illustrated, and he's a wonderful gentleman, but but. Uh, but that needs to go. The tomahawk chop needs to go. The Braves need to go. Um, I think the Braves are hiding under a rock at this point, hoping that nobody notices that you know they're pretty in- politically incorrect as well. And uh, and the time has come for for both of them to well to figure out something better. Kansas City Chiefs, world champions. Um, mm-hmm. No plans to change the name. Um, that reminds me. In, in looking back at uh, and I just you mentioned I uh, like old names. I'm going to try it. I mean, I, I grew up <laughs> saying it wrong. And then there was a great scout who had the same name and he said it LaJoy, but Nap Lajaway was the, um, or Lajaway was the, uh, uh, the impetus for the Cleveland Naps. And then of course they were the Cleveland Spiders and they were the Cleveland Blues and some would like to see them be the Cleveland Rocks, but that's for another day. They'll come up with something just fine, but they certainly have plenty of time to do it before the next opening day. But then I came across something that I had never heard uh, about the uh, Cleveland franchise, and that was after they won the World Series in 1920. Uh, they played the whole 20, uh, 1921 season uh, with, instead of Cleveland across the front of their jerseys, it said World's Champions right across the front. And I think that's really cool. Now that, I think that should maybe come to all sports, where the previous year's winner should get in some way to emblazon their their uniform uh, not just hang a banner but put it right there on the uniform and if, if you want to and that's old school world's champions um did you guys ever know that i didn't know it but it, it brings up an idea and sort of uh brings us back back to the to full circle i i think i should now be wearing a t-shirt <laughs> every day that says world record holder what do you think you can mm-hmm and I should. No I mean, one's no one's stopping you. Mm-hmm. And and I will say you missed a chance to make Mike proud with your story because when you talked about the guy that drums in center field for in Cleveland, you shouldn't have mentioned that you knew it because you did a story on him. You should have just said, "Oh, I know that. We all know that guy's name," and that might have done it. I did a YouTube video with him in the hallway at uh, at Jacobs Field or Progressive Field, uh, and he 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 was like on cue, you know, just gave me sixty seconds of gold and put it right up. And he said, "Yeah, that's a shame. I, I, there needs to be some sort of, um, you know, he's been displaced, and all those years. Of, uh, at the very least, I hope there's a, you know, maybe a, a small plaque for him out there in left field or uh, something permanent, because uh, plenty of times that that man." Uh, was uh, trying to keep the the mood up in an empty stadium. Even when they're good, that stadium's empty. That's another thing about preserving the name and the branding and all that and, and the marketing. They don't support a very fine franchise um, for whatever reason. So um, 
that's uh, that's our show. That's that's the that's uh, episode four of Three Point Range. Uh, we invite you once again to check out our Substack and our. 